This is the Mark Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. Welcome to the Mark Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Heinemann. And I'm Kelly King. If you're a regular listener, you might already know that from time to time, we provide full teaching sessions for some of our favorite Bible studies right here on the Mark Podcast. We're kicking off a new study. Yes, and for the next seven weeks, we're going to do Jackie Hill Perry's Jude Bible Study together. We'll release the audio of one teaching session per week here on the Mark Podcast. Jude is Jackie's Bible study published with LifeWay. And she has graciously granted us permission to play the audio here. Please know that this is copyrighted material, so we ask that you not reproduce it. Before we dive in, know that the teachings in these sessions expand on the work that you'll do in the Bible study book. For the full impact of the study, you'll want to get the Bible study workbook, and you can purchase the book at lifeway.com forward slash Jude. We have a sample session there if you want to use it while you wait for your book to come in the mail. These audio teachings will be available for a limited time due to copyright restrictions. We'll leave the audio up until August 31st. We hope that gives you time to get the book and study along with us. Over seven sessions, Jackie will lead you through the book of Jude. You're going to dive into themes of being called, loved, and kept, and learn how to point others to Jesus in grace and truth. Now here's Jackie Hill Perry. In our current cultural climate of bad ideas and good ideas related to human dignity, sexuality, gender, authority of scripture, church membership, the gospel, one of the things that Christians are constantly searching for is advice. We are all trying to figure out what to do, how to love, and what to say. And more often than not, what we really want is a step-by-step manual on how to confront and enter into these difficult conversations. And I know this because I get these kinds of questions often. People approach me with super complicated scenarios, wanting a super specific answer. And sometimes, sometimes scripture has that. If a friend asks you, is there another way to get to God? The answer is simple. No, Jesus said that he is the way, the truth and the life and no man can come to the father except through him. That's a fairly simple scenario with an easy answer. But usually, The situations we find ourselves needing to figure out are much more complicated than that, such as my friend has just began hormone treatment and is transitioning from male to female. How should I respond? I just read a book that has some ideas that I think might be unbiblical, but I'm starting to believe it. What should I do? I want to confront my friend about their sin, but I want to do it lovingly. What should I say? Contending for the faith demands practicality. But what if the first thing we needed wasn't actually answers to our questions or what we should do? What if what we needed first were instructions on how to live? We've come to a portion in Jude where he gets practical. He began his letter by appealing to his recipients to contend for the faith. Now, heading towards the end of his letter, he instructs them on how. But before he does, he tells his recipients what they need to do to stay anchored in a culture that is constantly shifting. 
He gives them what they need to know to be kept and to be clear, to be a people that are characterized by faith and not by doubt. He says in verse 20, but you beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life and have mercy on those who doubt Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Jude's instructions for his recipients are God's instructions for us. By taking heed to them, we may not have an exact answer for every scenario yet, but we will at least have a framework that can guide us towards being the kind of people that can contend for the faith faithfully. Up until this point, Jude has been spending a lot of time talking about the false teachers and talking to these Christians that he has written this letter to. But now in verse 20, he returns back to talking to his recipients. And you know this because of the first three words, but you beloved, which should take our minds back to verse three. When Jude established that his friends, these beloved folks are those who are called by God, loved by God and kept by God. They are all together different from the people that Jude has spent so much time pointing out. You think that Jude would immediately get into how they should respond to these false teachers or what they should do with these false teachers, but he doesn't. He instead directs them into how they should live, how they, what they should do in relation to their own walk with God first, because how they will respond to these, these false teachers will have a lot to do with how they are. Jude tells them four things, he says, Build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Wait for the mercy of Christ. All of these deal with faith, prayer, love, hope. Four essential aspects of the Christian faith that when employed will guard them and us from false teaching and equip them to contend against it. So let's go through all four briefly. The first one, building themselves up in the faith takes us back to verse three when Jude told them to contend for the faith. Remember, the faith was not or is not this subjective experience of placing your faith in Jesus. The faith is the objective doctrines and truths of scripture produced by the prophets and the apostles. Jude's language is reminiscent of Paul's words in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, when he says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows together into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. To build themselves up in the Lord is to not deviate from the foundation that has been laid. It is to, to learn about the faith. It is to learn about what has been written down in this book we call the Bible. It is to study it. It is to be among people that talk about it. It is to be in a church where they teach it accurately. And it is also to be shaped by it so that what you read reflects and how you are. You can't defend what you don't know. And what you know is less likely to be believed when it doesn't show up in how you actually live. The second thing he tells them to do to guard themselves, to keep themselves in the love of God is to pray in the Holy Spirit. I already feel in my spirit that there's some saints in here that just thought that he was telling them to speak in tongues. That's not what he's saying here. In Romans 8, 
Paul lays out how Christians are people who are no longer slaves to the flesh, that they are people who are led by the spirit. They set their minds on the spirit. They are indwelt by the spirit. And it is because of the spirit that we are able to cry out, able to pray, Abba, Father. And in verses 26 and 27 of Romans 8, he says that because we don't know how to pray, the spirit helps us and the spirit intercedes for us. Now, coming back to Jude 20, he is not telling his recipients to pray in an unknown tongue. He is telling them not to pray in the flesh. Just as the spirit is to control and guide and inform how you live, the spirit is to be allowed to do the same thing with how you pray and what you pray for. Prayer is an act of dependence upon God. So imagine how secure these recipients will feel as they get built up in their faith and are surrounded by a community of people teaching true stuff and true things about God, but they are also a people completely dependent upon God in prayer. This is already anchoring them, so when it's time to defend, they won't waver too much. The third thing, is keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves here and the love of God is the only imperative in these two verses. Imperative is a, is, a, is a command. So, you know, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Put to death what is earthly in you. It is a command. Because of that, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit and waiting for the mercy of God. These are actually instructions on how they are to keep themselves in the love of God. It might sound like works righteousness for Jude to tell them to keep themselves in the love of God. But if you thought that you would be misreading his words, Jude didn't say to earn God's love. He says, keep yourself in God's love. Because remember, he already established in verse one that they were people who were loved by God. So what Jude is saying in this verse is no different than what Jesus said in John 15, nine, when he told his disciples to abide, to stay, to remain in his love. We are people, according to verse 1 and 24, that are being kept by God. But this does not eliminate effort on our part. God is going to keep us, but we must fight to resist any doctrine or any sinful pa passion that would attempt to keep us from God. What he also says is that you are to be waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. The best way to understand what Jude means by this is to understand the doctrine of salvation. Jude began by talking, that, talking about how salvation is something they all share. That's what he meant by our common salvation. So they have been saved. When he references Israel in verse five, remember he mentions how God saved people out of Egypt. And in verse 25, he identifies Jesus as savior. So salvation is a very subtle thing that Jude has been playing with this entire time. A lot of times salvation is thought of as if it's the same as conversion. Conversion being when God turns you from sinner to saint. That however, it's not salvation, it's a product of salvation. And understanding salvation, you have to ask yourself, what have we been saved from? Taking into account verses five through 15, what was God's response to the sin of the groups and the people? Israel, he destroyed. The angels will be judged. Sodom, punished by fire. Korah, perish, the ungodly will be judged. 
And in Romans 1 verse 18, it says that God is being God's wrath is being revealed against what? Against all unrighteousness. But then you move to chapter five and it says, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much, much more shall we be saved from what? From the wrath of God. So if unbelieving Israel was saved, if the angels were saved, if Sodom was saved, if Korah was saved, what would have happened? They would have been rescued from God's righteous judgment of their sin. We who have been saved have been saved from God for God. Returning back to this instruction to wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, Jude is not saying that we are people who are just waiting and, and hoping and kind of, you know, we don't really know if God is going to be merciful to us and let us in. That's not what he's talking about, because in Ephesians 1:14 it says that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of your inheritance. Waiting for mercy means that we are people who are waiting for the day when Jesus will come back and we are waiting with confidence that we will not be judged for the sins that we have committed, but that we will receive the pardon that has been promised to all who would believe. God's salvation is in the past, in the present, and in, in the future. So because it's in the future and you know God has saved, saved you, you are waiting for his mercy with hope. How does awaiting God's mercy keep them in the love of God and how does it help them contend? I think a really pretty picture of that is in Hebrews 11, where it talks about Moses, Moses being a faithful man. It said that Moses chose to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy sin. And it said that he considered the reproach of Christ get greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking for, looking for, had hope, a reward. Keeping your sights on heaven keeps you from letting the temptations being thrown left and right by false teaching, and it protects you from allowing persecution to silence you. Contending for the faith won't make you likable. I don't know if you didn't know that yet. <laughs> Even when you do it in love, with grace, with empathy, not everybody will like you because of your commitment to the faith, but guess what? God is on the way. And you can know with full confidence that even if nobody is pleased with your message, God is. And that even with the mistreatment and the reproach, you have something better awaiting you than being likable. You have something better awaiting you than being, a pl being pleasing to men. You have something better awaiting you than the people's praise. You have a reward in heaven and that is God. Jude's recipients were just like us, people who were in contact with or at least being made aware of teachers and teaching that was untrue and they needed to know what to do. But before Jude taught them how to love their neighbor, he first instructed them how to love their God by building themselves up in the faith, by praying in the Holy Spirit, by waiting on God's mercy, they would inevitably keep themselves in the love of God so that as they began to engage those who were doubtful and those who needed to be snatched out of the fire as verse 23 or 22 and 23 instruction, they would be completely secure and completely safe. listening to the Mark podcast. We'll be releasing all seven teaching sessions of the Jude Bible study here on the podcast for the next seven weeks. 
We will leave the audio up until August 31st. Be sure to get a Bible study book, get together with your Bible study friends, or hop on a Zoom call and listen in. If you enjoyed today's teaching sessions, be sure to join us for Jackie's brand new event, Glory, coming to five cities in 2021. And don't miss Jackie's new book, Holier Than Thou, releasing this August. Learn more and find a Glory event near you at lifeway.com slash Jackie Hill Perry. If you're loving this Bible study content, please let us know. Tag us at Lifeway Women or use the hashtag Marked Podcast on all your social media. Let us know what you're learning. If you like getting Bible study content this way, or if you have ideas for future episodes, we're so grateful you're listening and want to know how to serve you well. Bye. Bye. Bye.